Welcome to a new episode of DevSecOps Talks. And today it's me, Matthias, it's Julian, Andre, and Johan. How are everybody today? Good, thank you. Good. How are you? Fine, fine. Sun is shining. Sun is shining. Julian, have you been working with any fun stuff lately? Uh, yes, the only problem is that I'm not allowed to talk about it, so yeah. I'm going to have to skip <laughs> that, That's the thing, when you work on something, it, it, it's killing me from the inside, but, uh, you know, I, I'll resist. You, you, can say, you, can you can say that you have a friend called Boolean. I have to think what I've been working on. What have I been doing? Elasticsearch, Elastic man. I've been spending a lot of time with Elasticsearch. It's so easy getting started with it, and then it's so hard when it starts failing. That's Famous last word. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andre, what have you been up to? I'm uh, packing the boxes. Yeah, packing that's my right. Bags, slowly but surely, trying not to rush everything, you know. I'm just hoping that it will be a day when the container comes. And I have everything ready to put in and go back to Swedish summer. Yeah. I eternally hope that will never end, but I know I, I know it's not true. So but I'm like postponing that moment of, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna be endless Swedish summer. This is where yeah. I'm traveling. <laughs> and uh today also we have Johan with us who Actually, not new to the podcast. We had you on, on episode number six almost a year ago. And uh, there are many reasons why we have you on. Well, the primary one being we really like his perspective on things. But also the topic of this conversation, uh, conversation we're going to be having today is uh, revolves around Git and things that developers do that, at least in my opinion, they shouldn't be doing. And Johan is really good with Git. So he's been teaching a lot of organizations transitioning from other version control systems to Git. So I don't know how many hundred people he taught in person. <laughs> and not only in person, maybe over Zoom and stuff. But it sounds like he's tired of doing that. So he wrote a book called Practical Git. And he's going to tell us all about the book a little bit later. <laughs> so, yeah, how things have been for you for last year? So the last year? The last year has been crazy. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. Um, so everything has been like you must all have had much uncertainty upon uncertainty upon uncertainty. Right. Yeah. And then the privilege of being in the tech industry and actually also getting some new opportunities because yeah. of the new situation, clients are more open to remote work. Suddenly you can go speak to conferences you wouldn't have had time to be at. Yeah. Um, sure. So I've had the pleasure of grabbing that opportunity a few times. And then, as you mentioned, I, I wrote this uh, book, Practical Git. Um, not because Git is tremendously interesting, because it shouldn't be, but I think that uh, Git is one of those things that we, as organizations and as software engineers, we forget to invest enough time in that it can stop mattering. And because we fail to do that, it will keep just draining our energy and it will keep getting in our way, right? Because... 
oh, how is it now if I want to rebase and what consequences does that have? And by the way, what problem was I actually trying to solve? Hmm. So I hope that that I with uh, with this book, I've at least uh, enabled some to get like the, the right intuitions and and reading the book and doing the exercises so you can never think about Git again. Right. But I think if we do, don't do that upfront investment, Git will come back to haunt us again and again and again. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, we take it all for granted since we yeah. actually came to Git from other version control systems. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess yeah. most of us, we've been exposed to other version control systems. And then we slowly evolved to Git, and Git was like a better thing coming to us. And now we have the whole new generation of people who haven't seen anything else. And they haven't been exposed to the other concepts of version control systems that are like not present in Git. And certain things might look foreign for them, since Git was built on top of those concepts, simplifying them. But still, if you're coming from the blank slate, it might be not that simple. And I, I hear people complaining a lot about all those commands, like git based everything, how foreign it for them and how hard it is to learn. I, I empathy, empathy is not my strongest trade, really. So, but I cannot relate <laughs> to this situation, even, <laughs> even considering that. I like, for me, it's just a muscle memory already. Mm-hmm. And like, I've been working with Git from 2011, where we, as you own, actually, we're working on a big, clear case to Git migration. I told, like, I don't know, 200, 300 people in person how to do Git on a, like, on a, on a, in an actual classroom setting. Yeah. So, but it's cool that you have this book and probably we will figure out a new version control system one day to replace Git. That would be interesting to see what's coming. Yes. One thing that you're saying, Andre, that I'm noting is like this, apparently people are complaining a bit about Git being difficult, but we have all been through it, right? And I uh, think in much of like the Git community who is otherwise quite inclusive or like in the developer engineering community, mm-hmm. there is <clears throat> some like, Passive gatekeeping. Cat Cosgrove, two days ago at the devopsconference.com, you can probably still go find the talk. She talked mm-hmm. about gatekeeping in DevOps. And like mm-hmm. where one of the her points, she is just an amazing speaker. So just go find her and, and see all she does. But one of her points was this like, we have been through this hazing ritual of working with this annoying tool, Git, and now we know Git and we are powerful. And it kind of becomes an, an excuse or it makes us forget that we what was it actually that was difficult when we started with Git? How can I help a junior developer or a new employee on board in our code base mm. without just saying, well, it, it is right there. You can just go look. Mm. Or how can we say, well, it, it actually looks much prettier if you just do git log dash dash one line dash dash decorate dash dash whatever, right? <laughs> and we forget that that because it is exactly as you say, it's just muscle memory for you. You have invested enough in in Git that it that it has disappeared for from your your vocabulary almost, right? Because it's just muscle memory. So, oh, you can just do it like this. Hmm? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I I just like uh, you know uh, since we are kind of like experience and we've been through a few of those version in control system. Could you name a few, like for just for you know, for the sake of it, just to to hear like which one you you played with? Me, I have personally mostly spent my time in SVN, and 
I will not say unfortunately, but that has been a hazing ritual working with Clearcase. A uh, clear case is a uh, is a uh, something. I mean, that's a whole <laughs> universe. Like you know, people who read their email in Emacs, clear oh. case is the same in the world of version control system. It's like tremendously powerful and it's tremendously complicated. Yeah, yeah. I I played with a Perforce and Mercury. So ah, Mercurial, yeah. Uh, also there, I, and I even had to deal with uh, well migrating some uh, CVS. Uh, that's yeah. that's old, you know. Like you 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 reach that far, you're like, oh boy, that's uh, that's going way back. So C- CVS subversion, clear case, uh, Mercury, Perforce. There's quite a few out there actually. I don't know why they everybody settles on Git. Maybe it's because of GitHub. Mm. Yeah. So the Mercurial lost the race. So it was a race between. Yeah. Mercurial and Git and Mercurial lost the race, but there are still like big companies who are like very invested in the, the Mercurial, like Facebook builds their own version of Mercurial pretty much. Huh? It used oh. to call Mercurial for, for Facebook before now. I think they have like their complete their own thing. Ah, cool. Also, I think that the vibe of the Git kernel, or the Linux kernel, and uh, like you know, the whole personality of Linux Torvalds behind it, yeah, gave yeah. it the necessary marketing push, yeah. moving over other stuff. You know, the same with uh, CNCF. Mm-hmm. If you if you look at yeah. CNCF, it's pretty much marketing organization. That's the only yeah. thing they do. They get a lot of money, and then they spend that money to market open source project. Yeah. That's, that's as simple as that. True. So, and that's why everything that comes through CNCF is getting a momentum. And like the same with Kubernetes, right? Mm-hmm. Compare Nomad and Kubernetes, compare like Kubernetes and ECS. It's just a matter of how much marketing dollars were spent in order to propel that project forward. Mm-hmm. So. But, but oh, can you say yeah. like, what, what, what's the like common problems or like errors people do with Git then? Right, they use a wrong branching strategy, and that's branching. a segue. Branches is hard, yeah. But what is <laughs> one of the topics that we should be covering? Okay, so how how are we going to use branches in the best way, and which is the worst way of using branches? Then, look, the best way to use branches <laughs> is not to use branches. That's that's the <laughs> and, and it's kind of funny, right? Because at least if you look into why Git got wildly popular or the narrative around why Git should be like the world dominating force it is, is because yeah. branching is lightweight, right? That was yeah, one yeah, very yeah. much one of the, yeah, yeah, the sure. key mindset shifts going from especially things like SVN where where branching can be very expensive. Yeah. Mm. Um and, and like the it almost become became like a proxy for the distributed nature of Git, yeah. and that's that's very interesting. And then people say, "Okay, I have this hammer called branches. Let me see what I can turn into a nail." <laughs> you, you know what? Also, like talking about the expensive branch, like in clear case, you had a branches for everything, so. In Git, you branch on the level of repository, so you branch everything yeah. basically, right? In clear case, you branch on the object level. An object is directory, object is a file, so everything has its own branch. And then you build 
a file that's called uh, what is it? What what is the config pack? It's called config mm. pack, where you write selector rules like select this from that branch. You basically say like select this directory from this <laughs> select that file from that branch. Yeah. And it could be like super complex document. We yeah. used to generate those documents actually, like programmatically. Science like it's not humanly possible to write them. Oh, for some people might, but well, so bad for them. Anyhow, we had a guy like in that organization where I worked at that time, whose full-time job was merging branches. That was his primary occupation. He was like a, a meat automation type of person, like basically merging the branches because it was a complex thing to do. You have to merge every directory, and then in every directory you have to merge every file and so on, if they've been changed. And we had like a set of very complex scripts to do that, and we, we needed to like you know supervise the whole process. It couldn't be automated. So the branches in Git are terrific. Yeah, but you should use them. If you have a way, and you see, yeah. <laughs> one one of the reasons why we're having this conversation in the first place is yeah. because I got dragged into conversation about people using Gitflow for some reason. And uh, if you haven't heard about Gitflow, if you haven't been exposed to that one, Google a successful Git branching model, and uh, you will f- you will find it. We will put a link to the show notes. Yeah. So you have um, less hassle to do here. Anyhow, it's been conceived like back in 2009, 2010, I believe. And that was pretty much one of the first examples of the Git branching strategies. Yeah. Uh, telling you how you branch in order to facilitate releases. And, and you know, th- th- there is always a reason why people want to branch, right? People don't do branching for fun. There is a, some apparent force that causes them to do a branch and like in my perspective that force is inability to verify your legacy or like run regression test fast enough so imagine like if you have a system that could run all regression suits you got in under a second so you push to the same branch all the time right and you know everything works yeah. There is no good reason to branch because you can find mistakes very quickly. But if your regression suite takes a week, then accumulating stuff on the primary branch that you're going to yeah. release from is playing with the file sites. You might accumulate a lot of stuff and then it will be really hard to understand what broke the thing, right? And yeah. another thing is like developers having their code, you know developers like it's my code don't touch my code and uh then he just like, goes on the branch sits there for half a year and then comes back with a tiny thing that's impossible to integrate into the main line but you actually have a, an interesting or i will make what i feel is an interesting point based on what yeah. you're saying here because there's often in 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 the way we talk about things like our workflows our branching strategies all these things a disconnect between the outcomes that we're trying to achieve and the means that we try to achieve them through, right? Mm-hmm. Because in many cases, like the, the scenarios that you're um, verifying here, we could say we branch to reduce risk. Yeah. 
right? But but what we we actually are doing is that we're postponing or accumulating risk. And, yeah. and and then we end up getting in the opposite situation that we're actually working against the outcome that we want to achieve. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if we're not noticing that, we will become more and more adamant mm-hmm. about maintaining our release branches and maintaining our branches and separating things and delaying and delaying and delaying because we believe it's because we have not been good enough at doing the thing that will not help us achieve this outcome, right? Yeah. So, so we what? Why are you using these feature branches? Well, it's it's because we want to make it safer to merge. Okay. How confident do you feel when you then need to merge? Oh, it's yeah. always hell. We have a merge sprint, <laughs> or <laughs> we never know what's. Uh, we always go around the office asking what's what's in what's on my what's on main, right? Yeah. Because we don't know what is in this variant, what is in this branch, what is in this branch, what is in this branch, and we completely lose track of what's going on. But, but is, it, is it always like that? I feel like when we have projects now, you can merge the master, and it, it's not hell. You can do it as often you you want, and it goes fast to test everything. But when you branch, you work in a feature, you branch it out, you work on a feature, maybe you merge it in the same day, two days later, Maybe you have some extra tests on it, and maybe you deploy it and have someone looked at it and then merge it in. So, I mean, I think that's the normal way of working with branches. Yes. Isn't oh, it? you're so naive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely agree. That should yeah. be the normal way of working, and 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 that is a completely sane way of working with branches. Yeah, I think yeah. the reason that that Andre is saying you shouldn't work with branches, and where I will uh, support him completely, is that. <laughs> You do not, most people don't have the discipline no. to work with branches. So it's much better if we just tell them, no, you can't work with branches. And then I will allow the exceptions where you can have a branch. <laughs> Rather than saying, propose like trunk based development. There is a whole discipline, you know. People yeah. are saying, like, well, if if not Git flow, what should I do? Well, yeah. there is like, a, the people start to, you know, again, do a marketing games. So there is a GitLab flow and a GitHub flow. Uh, yeah. They're I, pretty much variations <laughs> of the same thing. You could go to commonflow.org and find like a non-branded one of uh-huh. that. So I, okay. I usually refer, refer reference that one because that's just like it's like semware.org just for for Git workflows. Commonflow.org, right? Commonflow, it's called. All right. So we, we're going to include that into the show notes. Yeah, I hope yeah. Someone takes the notes of things that you promised to include. Anyhow, um, yeah. So. I usually send people to the trunkbaseddevelopment.org, whatever it is. Dot com. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah, because it's pretty much the same. Like, you know, branch if you need, if you branch to release, come back to the main flow. And not every company can do that. So there are companies, like embedded companies, right, who have obligations to their customers to maintain a certain release and be able to compile it, ship updates later on. And... uh, Understandably, they need to have those long-living branches, but that's maybe the only reason I can think of to have them. And like even in that type of organization, like both me and you, we actually spend a considerable amount of time working with embedded software companies. But there like, is actually mm, sorry. Well, let me just finish this one. So there was a rule in that organization that in order to get a feature branch, and we had like control over the. The repository hosting, so we could actually 
prevent people from creating like organization-wide feature branches. In order to get a feature branch, you had to go to the head of department and explain why you need <laughs> one. And that was a terrific policy. I mean, people would get branches only in the situation where they really need yeah. because all the feature branches were diverging the resources from the mainline. So instead of testing and putting all the resources and testing mainline, verifying the quality on the mainline, people would go test on the feature branches. And what is the good of that? I mean, it doesn't really matter if your test passes on the feature branch. You're not going to ship from the feature branch. You're going to ship from the mainline. And mm. only result on the mainline matters. Yeah, it might give you a little bit more confidence before you merge, saying, knowing that you tested in isolation, but it doesn't matter. In the end of the day, when you merge, you have to make it work on the main line, not on the feature yeah. branch. So you're basically fooling yourself and creating this self-elusive uh, safety situation, right? You know? What, what did you want to say, Leon? Uh, yes, so I found uh, we have this loving, lovely note paper. I found uh, two notes. One thing is that I just wanted to mention that if you go to the trunkbaseddevelopment.com, they also have a, a nice model with long-lived release branches. Oh. So it's not like you can't do trunk-based development and you can even do it in a sane way. Hmm. Um, but one of the things that I also wanted to mention, usually I don't think the problem with Gitflow is Gitflow. I think it is somewhere where people start using Gitflow, they don't quite understand it, and it creates ends up creating a lot of friction for them, so they work around it. But they still kind of claim that they are using Gitflow, so that's mm -hmm. their official process. And like mm -hmm. this disconnect between how we, in our mind, believe we work and how we actually work, I, I think that's such a demotivator and that's never constructive because then it's always we're blaming each other for not merging to develop and people are just pushing to random branches like we're not committed to working the right way so okay. we're both getting all the pains from the friction that GitFlow gives us but because we're every time it becomes difficult we're just doing something different we are not even reaping the benefits so we're kind of like getting the pains from uh, the wild, wild west and the pains from working with Gitflow without reaping any of the benefits. Mm. So I, I think that, that if people were just being starting out being very strict about actually working with the Gitflow, yeah. they would okay. experience much less pain than the ways that I've actually seen it used in practice. Yeah. You know, it's being pragmatic, basically. Well, not, what, what, uh, not Not taking in the practice because the practice is good, but trying to understand people who came up with a practice to solve a particular problem and then seeing what problem you got and if this practice would address that problem. And people mm. just using that as you know, a panacea of some kind. But that's like a very... Spotify model is pretty much the same thing. It's like a fad <laughs> going on around the yeah, internet. Yeah. Like, but that requires an extremely high level of maturity and discipline and understanding. It actually requires quite profound level of understanding to be able to do what you're just describing. And I think sometimes it might actually be good to just start with the practice, grab it for what it is, and adhere. Do a two-month experiment. You know we will do GitFlow diligently <laughs> for two months not because we know why, but because someone clever says it works and we will try it out honestly. You know, and then... An, 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 sorry. 
No, but yeah, and then we can do like figure out well why didn't this work for us or why did this work for us? What would we like to substitute it with, right? But the problem is that we do a, a three and a half day experiment and then we declare it sucks. Mm. Yeah. You know what? I have an idea. Like I probably would do a rebranding of my own website. It's just like Andre Devatkin, cloud engineering specialist. But I'm I'm thinking of rebranding that into common sense specialists. You know, mm, like yes. common sense for hire. How would you like that? <laughs> well, for me, then that hasn't been into trunk base. What is the benefit of doing trunk base then? Uh, shall, shall we focus on the downsides of Git flow to start with? So, like, so much more fun. fun. Oh, I mean, you can time. do both, man. We give us the three bad things from Git and then three good from trunk, and then we can see. Yeah, right? so, Compare so them a little bit. So, with can- Git flow. If you go to the <laughs> web page that explains it, uh, go home. Yeah. Go ahead, so um, for me, I think the important thing that we're forgetting is to try to step that step back and saying, what is it that we're trying to achieve with mm-hmm. our uh, yeah. the way we work with our Git workflow, right? Yeah. And for me, one of the core software development practices or principles or whatever, one of my goals is to be able to do some sort of continuous integration. Yeah, right. Often integrate our changes, and in that way, we want to do whether we call it agile or XP or whatever. We want mm-hmm. to work towards small iterations. We want to do all these kinds of things, and if we call that then continuous integration, I would like my Git workflow to support that. Yeah, right. I, I have a question regarding, uh, you know, actually going into the team, and I, I would be very curious to hear, uh, Johan, what, what is the good question, the, the question that you like to ask, the question that will tell you if they are on the right track or if they are suffering for, and they don't understand why? So I think, like, the first question, like, could just be to get a feeling, a very safe question, is just how many branches do you have in your repository right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Like that gives a sense of do they know, and if you then have the follow up question, how many of those branches do you need? And yeah. <laughs> Andre is signaling <laughs> one, <laughs> but it could also be like how many of those branches are work in progress? Because oftentimes we can also talk about are we going the one way or the other way? Are we talking about Git techni- techniques, techniques, or are we talking about how you work? Andre, yeah. you want to say something? <laughs> yeah, I, I sure do, because now I remember another thing I wanted to bring up. I, I, I suddenly remember it. So to to add another question to the list of the questions you just gave is how many repositories do you have? Or you're on that crazy bandwagon of monorepo. That's so just opening another Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say, usually the answer to that question is uh, either one or too many, and the yeah, right answer is yeah. probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The one question that I like to ask is: um, Is the code that is in the main branch what is in production? And that already tells mm-hmm. me, like, how, how fast is the like how are sh- how sure are you that what you see in the code yeah. is actually what's running? Because I, I I guarantee you the the there is so many use cases you can find where this doesn't apply. 
Like for instance, mm -hmm. if you have a, a, they call it UAT. So if you have manual testers that have to test the code, it might take days before the change that is in the code end up in production. And in any of those um, highly secure and highly scrutinized environments, you, you probably have people looking over that. And, and so what would be the branching model? Or I should say, you know, the workflow that would work best in that way. I think th this is, again, that's an excellent question. And that, again, it's just like spreads branching discussions <laughs> that we can go into. Because I think this also fits into how do we manage artifacts to our... Because I think we put too much... We try to solve too many problems with Git. Yeah. And we try to put mu too much traceability into Git. True. Because it's n almost never our source code that we deploy into production, right? True. Yeah. And and I would actually, I think one of the next like big things is really in the industry to embrace artifact management and immutability and containerization mm -hmm. and all those kinds of things are pushing the right way. Yeah. But the industry as a whole still need this mindset shift of saying, well, my source code doesn't matter the moment I'm done writing it, Right. When I'm in the source code, I actually the qualities that are relevant is how easy is this to change, and that's the only quality that matters in my source code. But as soon as we have an artifact, right, then it's completely different things that matter, and we tend to tie those our source code and the artifact too too closely together, and and I think there are some I'm not super sharp on this yet myself. But I think there are so many different things in, in how we talk about the source code and the artifacts that we generate and how much of our, how the source code is only part of our ultimate truth. Yeah. And yet we believe all of our ultimate truth is, is in Git. And I kind of feel like we need to move a bit back from that. Because we, especially if we have asynchronous workflows where we have, well, we're going to run this on something physical in a week before we can qualify this. Yeah. Then I need to detach my source code workflow from that artifact mm -hmm. workflow. And, and I still, of course, need to make it easy to change things. I need to make it easy to figure out which of the things that went into this artifact is it that, that broke. And there are tons of different things that we need to be able to do, but there can be some constraints where we really need to decouple our source code workflow from the rest of our workflow. And if we fail to do that, then, then we'll be in a, in, a, in a bad place. And we don't really have a nuanced way or language of talking about this in, in the industry right now, I think. Because right now it's either your tests must be short or your life sucks. And really, we need to think about, to me, what can we offload? How, what, how, what can we decouple? What can yeah, yeah. we do asynchronously? Yeah. Do we have to have code reviews? Do we have to... Code reviews could be after merge to master, right? It's not yeah. a merge criteria. It's a release criteria. Yeah. Let's look at that. Yeah. I, I really like the perspective that we are bringing, but we keep opening Pandora boxes and we're not closing them. And like, <laughs> once to do a review is another conversation for another set of minutes. <laughs> I'm just enjoying myself. <laughs> Who do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like, yeah, actually, I, I, like, I really like the idea of the post review, and I think that's the way yeah. to go, like, if, if to put it short. But we're 30 minutes in. Git flow. Let's get done with the Git flow. <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, if you go to the web page, 
you will see that the author is actually revised it and said, come on, guys, enough referring to this. That's not for everyone. Like, maybe if you do web development, it could work for you if you're doing some, something else. Or like, basically, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing right now and my actually mistranslate his point, but what he basically says, think twice before you do it, because that's not for everyone. Think about your use case first. And uh, the core problem of the Git flow is just amount of branches you have. So you would have a develop branch where everyone develop, and from that you have feature branches, and then from there you will merge them back to develop, and from develop you will go to one more branch, and then from that branch you will go to master from where you will release. So you have a lot of mergers and really unnecessary mergers coming in, which makes it really hard to do any type of continuous integration and continuous delivery for that file. Yeah. That's a primary problem with that. That is just overcomplicated, unnecessarily overcomplicated. Yeah. And back, for instance, like in 2011, when we moved Ericsson from PRKs to Git, embedded organization in a need for the stable releases and stuff, we came up with something that we called Cactus Model, basically. Mm -hmm. Everyone work on a primary branch for as long as they can. And then we have to do a release, and that was a unit delivering internally. So then we will do like a two weeks release cycles and we will branch out to release and we will cherry pick fixes back to the primary branch and then keep those release branches to die eventually because we like we were supporting them for a couple of months and then they will die off. But with, uh, in parallel with that, we did a huge investment of continuous integration and test automation. And the trend we noticed is that we started to see less and less commits happening on those branching out on those branches that we will branch yeah. out to release. So at, at, at some point, they become non-existing. So we will still create a branch, but it will not branch out. It will just stay with no additional commits on the, on the main branch. Yeah. And uh, then the confidence of our receivers, of, of receivers of our deliverers grew so large that they say like, fine, we will take a nightly builds now instead of uh, two weekly builds. Yeah. And Ericsson, managed to came through the whole chain of that actually offering almost nightly builds to their customers to test that in the labs. Yeah. And then eventually, like when the release is coming out, the customer, like the vendor who would provide you with the broadband and the mobile connectivity, it already tested everything that is coming his way in his lab and release is just, you know, something that will like firm it up and add SLI on top of it. So they don't have any time, they don't need to spend any time integrating and you know, wasting time in a lab with this. They can just roll it out and they know yeah. it works. And for Ericsson, that was crucial because it meant that the time to pay for release for Ericsson was shortened almost yeah. to a zero. So they didn't need to wait for operator rollout release to get paid, and that made a tremendous effect on the business. And this is how your branching strategy translates into how your business wins. You see, by the mm. by the enabling developers to ship fast with a competence, by, by implementing continuous integration, continuous delivery, you enable your organization to win in the marketplace by making better decisions, by aggregating more data, by doing more experiments. And your branching strategy have to enable that. Git flow was not built on this. Don't do Git flow. 
So I, I want to add a thing because you're also serving me like 18 Pandora's boxes, but in the <laughs> in my benevolent mind, I will not jump on that bait. I just want to say, and, and another either consequence of what you're saying or just like tangential elite, at least is that the Git flow actually requires quite a high level of Git capability on behalf of the developer to work, work efficiently in. Yeah, for sure. A lot of mergers. And, and, and uh, that might be good enough. Like I wrote a, a book, I should tell people that all developers should be excellent at Git. Yeah. But but actually, it was like mind blowing for me when I, as a consultant, I ended up figuring out, like I had the insight. I'm not teaching Git to build Git experts, which was the mindset I had. I'm teaching Git to build better software developers. Right. Right. Yeah. And and that was like I was like, oh, I've been a bad boy, uh, or or like at least like. Because I I've, I I really enjoyed discussing Git, talking about Git, geeking out about Git. When someone comes and asks me, "Well, what should I do in this situation?" I will draw them eighty different Git graphs and say, "Well, in this scenario, you could do this, but you can also do this. But if we're over here in this other world, then you could do these things." And there was just like I I just would like to get this commit into that yeah, branch. Yeah, Could you, yeah. for the love of God, please just tell me what to do? <laughs> I, I, I could see you doing from this Replace plugs with Git. So I've taken like to the, the the phrase that I'm using a lot in, in many different contexts. It's like, would you like the answer or the lesson? <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that that's make me a, a bit more like a likable teacher because I always defaulted to the lesson. Well, thank you for this teaching opportunity. <laughs> and, and like it's with, with all the things, developers these days, we have to know so many different things, right? Yeah, yeah. We need to know about process. How is my work impacting business value? Uh, there's 89 different tools that, integrate in weird ways but somehow every one of them touch the source code that i try to deliver someplace that is run by an arbitrary large faceless corporation in some hybrid cloud in germany or whatever <laughs> there's so many different things that we need to know and it's yeah. so difficult to know when we're not experts so for me cloud is kind of magical and and i have like this superfluous understanding of what's cloud and i could probably learn enough to be effective but at the moment, when people talk about cloud, I have no idea what different kind of things or problems they describe that are important and which I can ignore. Yeah. Like if people say, we, well, we have some issue with our root uh, account, IAM, uh, something, something, AWS. I have no clue if that's the most important thing that's been said to me all day or if it's just a technical detail that Andre will fix down the road. <laughs> and it's like the same thing in so many different things. So, yeah, so yeah. we overload. Completely. Yeah. As for the reference, root account in AWS. <laughs> if there is something wrong with that, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. It's the most important thing you will hear the whole year, probably. I'm, I'm still a consultant. <laughs> I will just name words that mean something, but I don't know what. <laughs> so, so I think it's about like uh, I think it was pre-show that that Julian we talked about this. What is the vocabulary that we're using for the things that we're trying to do? And like the abstraction level when we're talking about Git and Git workflows in our day-to-day -day lives is way too close to the iron. Yeah. 
mm. right? We talk git commit, git add, all these kind of things that that has nothing to do actually with the problem that we're trying to solve, which is yeah. ultimately either test or deploy some source code mm. somewhere, right? Yeah. But but you say we can't use GitLab. But what should I do then? I can't use branches. Just merge everything into master. Is that what common you're saying sense. here? Use common sense. This is what I'm saying. What a common sense. What's, what what does so it mean? My recommendation. Common sense. <laughs> my recommendation is figure out what are the steps in terms of Git that you're doing often. Like what is your happy yeah. path at least, and then create some kind of shortcuts for those actions so you can talk in those words. Whether that is and a reference to ClearCase to have a command that's deliver, or that's a button in your in your IDE, yeah. or synchronize or whatever the the like, listen to your your developers for a day, figure out what are the words they're using, and and then make sure that they're the words they're using have a Git alias, so <laughs> so they can like use their <laughs> words to work. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's that's feels like a. Good wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Think about the think about the problems, right? Yeah. That you want to achieve and use the tools to support you, not be bugged down into the doctrines of using the yeah. tools. But I think that if you go to commonflow.org and you find this non-branded version of a pull request based workflow, mm. then that will be a good starting point for everyone. Like it's the no one ever got fired for buying IBM of uh, version control flows. Hmm. It, it might not be the optimal for you. There might be all sorts of issues, but you will start with a decent vantage point. I have one one last question for for you. One, uh, why should I get your book? What what will I learn? And what's the chapters in the book like? What's the five first chapters in the book telling me like some of the content inside the book? So uh, my focus has been on the kind of like the mental model of Git, because I think that if we end up with that, that click, I remember when it clicked in my head in Git with the graph and the commits and the pointers and those kind of things. When that clicked, then Git became for me a matter of being able to draw it and then figure out the commands afterwards. And I think that's the true power. Yeah. Um, Andre and I have, uh, when we were colleagues, we have uh, used some uh, Git exercises that were scripted that Andre has also used uh, for some of his teachings, I know, back yeah. in the day at least. And the book actually takes vantage point in those. So they are very much hands-on because we learn by doing, not by reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the focus on, on hands-on and the right mental model uh, is the things. And uh, like the first chapter actually is only about the intuition about Git. What is the oh. problems that we're trying to solve with Git and, mm -hmm. and how is our mm -hmm. mental model? Oh, nice. Then we'll talk about commits, linear history, complex branching. Oh, and then you sound like it's very difficult, but it's actually just working with branches. And then there's a chapter on collaboration, like because that's kind of what we're trying to do in Git. And then there's a bunch of more like if you want to tinker some more, go go read those chapters, but you will be an effective individual contributor if you just get from mm -hmm. the first half. Nice. Cool. And I think with with that we will end today's episode. Right? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks thank you for, for bringing your yeah. perspective. It's yeah. really nice to have you. I mean, you're always bringing a very interesting perspective into the conversation. Yeah. And uh, check out the webpage for links and notes from the talk, right? And webpage is jeffsecops.fm. There will be uh, show notes. 
Yeah. Thanks for listening. Take care. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.